Okay, I'm ready. Sorry. That's okay. You're good. No worries. We're chatting Bachelor. Yeah. I Lucas heard... hasn't seen it, so don't be spoiled. Do not spoil me. I only heard generalities, so I wouldn't even... But I'm sure the generalities you'd be able to infer from it, so yes, I won't say it. Yes. I'm, I'm sure. Okay. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. It's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So glad to have you with us here on Feeling It. And an extra special welcome to any first-time listeners of the show. We are a couple of lifelong friends with a pop culture obsessions who love taking time each week to talk with each other about what we're feeling. Whether it's music, movies, tech, or more, we take the time to talk about whatever it is we can't get out of our heads. So usually we take the time at the end of the show to talk at length about um, either a big question or whatever big piece of pop culture is hitting that week. But today we're having a feeling it omnibus. So we're all going to be going through and talking about five different things that we've been feeling lately and couldn't wait any longer to talk about. So before we get started, we're going to introduce ourselves. And uh, though this may already be buried in tomorrow's news cycle, today's North Korea headlines have me wondering <laughs> what book each of y'all would pick if you were stuck in a bunker during nuclear fallout. So, Sandra, you want to kick us off? Sure. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And there's a romance novel written by Jennifer Cruzy titled Betney that I read at least twice a year, usually oft, sometimes more. Um, so I probably would take that one because if I still enjoy it now, I would probably still enjoy it for another 30 years in a bunker. Wait, 30 years in a, I guess we would be living 30 years in a bunker. Well, I, I guess, who knows? I, no, kidding. no, yeah, I guess, I guess that's right. I hadn't thought this all the way through. I'm, <laughs> how long we'd actually stay in a bunker. I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and my choice was Little House on the Prairie by Laura Ingalls, Ingalls Wilder. I feel like that would is charming and um, would get would be enough to distract me from <laughs> the horror that is going on outside, and would also have enough critical information on rebuilding a farm for once I emerge. Very smart. Uh, that is very smart. I am Lawson Soward. I'm an art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I also wafered back and forth between just like a general how to hunt and uh, gather <laughs> manual. But uh, I think I would probably choose Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. It's my mm, favorite of yeah. the Harry Potter uh, books. And I would definitely want to veer towards uh, that book and its escapism as opposed to some yes. of my other favorite novels, which are uh, favorites because of how how real and, uh, you know, the raw human condition they show. But yep. like, no, I, I don't want to think about that during a nuclear war. So escapism is the trend for us. <laughs> That's what we need in the bunker. <laughs> so with that out of the way, um, let's get started. Lucas, do you want to kick us off with your first pick? I do. First, I want to say, do you guys know what a Newbery Medal is? Yeah, it's like a children's literature award, correct? Boom. The librarian's daughter got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What's up? <laughs> I knew what it was, too. I just was slower. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, the, Newbery, the Newbery Medal is basically the most distinguished contribution to American literature for children of that year. So it's basically the Academy Award for children's books. Um, Newbery Award Medal winners include The Witch of Blackbird Pond, Island of the Blue Dolphins, A Wrinkle in Time. And this week, my pick is the 1968 book From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankenweiler by E.L. Coinsberg. That is the hardest thing in the world to say. Um, <laughs> I... Have read this book when I was a, when I, I had read this book when I was a kid, and I decided to reread it, and it is so good and so nice. I love juvenile fiction. It really, I think, speaks to the easiness of reading and the fun of reading. I feel like as an adult, I end up reading stuff that I have to, as well as like more, I guess, 
I don't know, adult books like biographies and textbooks and like things like that. And going back to some of these books that I read when I was a kid has been really fun and really enjoyable. This book is about two children who run away from home to live in the in the Met in New York City. And oh, I love this book. I forgot that's yeah, what it was called. Of it. Yes, I know. That's the thing. It's something I feel like a lot of people have read as a kid. And I highly suggest reading it as an adult because it's it's like a Disney movie. There's so much in it that you don't pick up the first time reading it. Um, oh, and man. it's so clever, so smart, so much fun. And I think everybody should have a chance to read this book. I freaking love that book. And I totally yeah. – I had no idea that was what it was called. I – there were so many vivid memories of that because I only read it the one time, but mm-hmm. I remember so many vivid scenes of like them going to the laundromat and washing their clothes and them all turning gray, them like whenever they had to hide before the security guards got there and then sleeping in yep. the really like ornate bed. It's so evocative. The imagery is so incredible that I felt, I don't feel like I read it. I feel like I watched it. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely did read it, but I just, I remember the imagery being so incredible and um yeah what a great thank you for bringing this up because i haven't i want to go back and read this again now yes i remember those scenes but i don't like remember the plot so yep it's great i won't spoil it for anybody but if you have a chance it's from the mixed up files of mrs basil e frankenweiler by e.l koinsberg konigsberg konigsberg by e.l konigsberg there we go. Man, names that you only ever see in print are so hard whenever you have to pronounce them and you're almost 30. I know. <laughs> um, great pick. Thank you for that, Lucas. Uh, Sandra, what is your first pick of the night? Last week, I finally got a chance to go see the new movie Girls Trip. That is um, yes. like beating box office records and just like taking mm-hmm. the summer by storm. Um I was really excited about this movie. I, the trailers had me really laughing. I've heard all this great buzz about Tiffany Haddish and her performance in this movie. And um, I've seen a lot of the press where Tiffany Haddish has that like amazing story about taking Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith on a swamp tour. If you haven't seen that, you should go <laughs> check it out. Um, so I was really excited about Girls Trip and I had such a blast while watching it. Um, This movie is just, like, raunchy in the funniest ways. And it's not high-minded about what it is. It's just, like, a really fun time to watch with a group of girlfriends. Um, I had so much fun watching it. And it's in part for two big reasons. Um, First of all, all the buzz about Tiffany Haddish is completely accurate. She is... It is like watching a star being born watching this movie. You just know she's going to have a huge career. Her talent is so big and obvious. Um, she gets the biggest laughs of the movie. And I, I, I can't... She also has this one like very vulnerable scene that she pulls off just so well. Like at, With all the high comedic moments she has at the movie... It comes out of nowhere, but then she just delivers a, a, another great performance. So I, everything people are saying is true. Tiffany Haddish is so funny in this movie. But the one thing that really surprised me about this movie is how magnetic and funny Jada Pinkett Smith is. I realized, I don't know if I've seen a lot of movies with Jada in them. Um, the last movie I saw with her... She was playing kind of a similar role, but she didn't really get to be funny in it. Um, She was in Bad Moms, uh, where she played kind of a conservative, uptight mom. And in this movie, she gets to play like the conservative, uptight mom friend of the group that learns to let loose during this trip. And in this movie, I never wanted to stop looking at her. She is so funny, um, so charming. It made me really want to go back and figure out all the movies she's been in and watch a bunch of them because she her talent is just remarkable in this movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a fun, fun time with Girls Trip. I've heard this movie my, is a blast, and it's definitely on my list of things I want to watch. It is a blast. I don't know if you'll like it, Lucas. Um, what? Yeah. I like things. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lucas Wright, I like things. Certain things. I like certain things. I don't know. I hope you do. Um, I want to say my only criticism of this movie is that Queen Latifah is kind of phoning it in during this movie. She, like, the rest of the cast is really, like, delivering on all cylinders. And then every time it's, like, a Queen Latifah moment, I'm just like, oh, this, you're, you don't look like you're trying to be here. Um, Is she leaving all of her acting up to her prime minister, Latifah? Anyway, she she does have like one very funny scene, um, and there's there's a tripping scene in this movie, and I'm gonna call it right now. It is the funniest um, tripping scene, and by tripping I mean like like high, not like uh, road not tripping, over. not not splat, right? Yeah. Um, I was the yeah. funniest trippy scene I've ever seen in film or television. It it is, it was so good, and she does shine in that moment. Um, but the rest of the movie, I I wasn't feeling Latifah, um, but I still loved the film, and it had heart heartwarming moments, laugh out loud moments. It's big and extreme. Don't expect any subtlety from this movie, except in some of like the emotional moments. But the comedy is just like as big of a comedy as you can ask for. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's definitely something that I will check out and then tell you that I liked it, even if I didn't. Oh, I would expect nothing oh. less from you, Lucas. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, perfect. Um, well, you guys know how I had talked about how it, escapism, like I would definitely take a book that was fun into a bunker if I had to read it over and over. My first pick is kind of the opposite of that. Um, it's music and a music video that is anything but escapist. But, Lucas, I don't know if I texted you this or if I texted our friend Ben this whenever I first saw this video. But I watched it and instantly texted it. It was just like, this is the realest shit I've seen in years. Um it's a music video for the song Miserable America by Kevin Abstract. Um, have you guys listened to any of his music? No, never heard of it. I have. Okay, so Kevin Abstract has an album called American Boyfriends, and it is basically uh, an album that, whenever I heard it, I was like so thankful um, all over again for Frank Ocean for kind of paving the way um, for queer men of color to be able to get into hip hop and really, uh, like make a move. Um, this whole album is really, really incredible, but Miserable America, um, starts off kind of like talking about a relationship with somebody that he really cares about and just every single odd is stacked against the relationship. Um, they got all these dynamics going against it, um, and just kind of talking about it in almost like a journalistic way that somehow makes it feel more emotional. It's, it's very hard to describe, but one of the things that I really, really admire about this video is how it's not, it's not say it's not like they sing, they're singing a lyric about a dog walking down the street and you're seeing a footage of a dog walking down the street, but every visual in this, uh, in this production works to enhance the lyrics and really shout them at you. Um, and the lyrics are great. Uh, so it's, it, they're words that really, I feel like earn that. Um, I was just, I was completely blown away. I had never heard of him. Just a friend at work was like, I think you'd like this. And I listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those videos that I would really recommend giving yourself a minute, like, if you're going to watch it to either watch it on an Apple TV or watch it on uh, full screen on your computer in high def, um, it's not, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I have this kind of weird uh, magic hour between like around 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. where whenever I hear music in that time, I'm just like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> like for some reason, <laughs> I become really receptive to it. Um, but this really, really affected me. And so like, Whatever you can do to put yourself in a place to let yourself be really affected by music, I think this song um, has the power to be incredibly moving, um, and the video too. So if you are into uh, 
new hip-hop if you are into Frank Ocean. Um, if you just want to see an incredible um, American songwriter uh, do something new and fantastic, I really recommend checking out the music video for Miserable America by Kevin Abstract. My boyfriend saved me, my mother's homophobic I'm stuck in the closet, I'm so claustrophobic I just won't help if My best friend's racist, my mother's homophobic I'm stuck in the closet, I'm so claustrophobic I just wanna know shit, while we all love Young Thug Miserable America Assassinate my character Miserable America Assassinate my character Nice. I'm excited to check that out, Lassa. Yeah, let me know what you think when you see it. All right, Lucas, you're back up. What is your second pick tonight? Yes. Um, my second thing that I'm feeling this week is a, uh, a video called Dear Mr. Shakespeare by slam poet Phoebe Boswell. Um, it's about Shakespeare's play, um, Othello, and how Shakespeare and just the theater in general handle race. Uh, it's extremely powerful, both in its performance and in the visuals. It's so interesting. I think probably even to those not familiar with Othello, you're still going to get a lot out of um, this video. And if you're not, if you don't know Othello, you will be very interested in in seeing that play afterwards. So let me play a clip from it real quick. Did you know, Mr. Shakespeare, for no one is sure when you decided to draw Othello as a moor that his blackness, his otherness, would always raise queries about whether the play's racist and other such theories pertaining to your own true thoughts as the writer, the drawer, back in Elizabethan times, which of course was before all these histories of trauma, inequality, migrations that have amplified difference, magnified segregations, traded souls across borders, constructed black and white as the slave, and the master, the weak, and the might. So some say you couldn't know when you drew your hero back, back in the 1600s. Yeah, it's very, very weird and something that I think um, is just intriguing to watch as well as listen to um, and has just a lot to say about um, the history of theater that we don't really talk about a lot. Lucas, I watched this, and I unfortunately am not super familiar with Othello, but... Um, like you said, this... Aren't you interested am, now? And this video yeah. is just so visually arresting and beautifully mm -hmm. produced. And yeah, it, I, I do. I, I feel like I need to see it, read it, read more about it now after seeing, after hearing this. Absolutely. So we'll put a link to this video in the show notes. It's called Dear Mr. Shakespeare, and it is great. Well, thanks, Lucas. That's awesome. Sandra, what is your number two pick? Okay, so a lot of people might have already seen this short film. I also have a, a short film, Lucas. Um, but I am so heartwarmed by it that I have to bring it up anyway. It's um, a short film called In a Heartbeat. It went viral this past week. Um, it was made by Beth David and Esteban Bravo, who are 22 and 24 years old. Um, they're students at um, America's Ringling College of Art and Design. And they made this animated short, again, called In a Heartbeat, that is on the writing and animation level of any Pixar short I've seen. It, the, there's so many different components of this short film that make it beautiful and funny and heartwarming and well done. Um, the score is stunning. The animation is beautiful, but most importantly, the story and the message of this short um, are just so lovely. Uh, it's about um, a teenage boy that has a crush on another boy at his school, and his physical heart is um, leaps from his chest and um, risks giving away this boy's true feelings. It's one on its own, just a lovely short film. Short films, I think, are incredibly hard to do well. Uh, you have to be so concise and specific with every choice you make. And 
a really beautifully done short film is, I think, a very rare thing. Um, so on that level, this film is incredibly impressive. On another level, it really puts you in a mindset of, imagine if we lived in a world where short films like this were shown in theaters before Pixar movies, just like any other Pixar short film was. Um, we don't live in that world currently, but the production of films like this that are on such a great quality level, um, I think makes us all reflect on why aren't movies like this shown for children? Why aren't movies like this shown in theaters nationwide? I, I wish we could be at that stage. And I just hope that they get movies like this continue to get made and we eventually will reach that point. Um, have y'all both seen this? Yep. Yeah. It's lovely. Really, really good. I mean, it's a four minute long video. Everyone needs to go Google it right away. And if you haven't seen it, we'll, we'll put a link in yeah, the show. Notes. If you haven't seen yeah. it, you should be watching it right now. Um, because it, it's just so lovely. If you are a fan of Pixar, you're going to be, I, my mind was blown that this wasn't made at a big production studio like Pixar, that this was made by college students is so incredibly impressive. Yeah. And Sandra, I think your the last pick you talked about too really speaks to what you were saying about why there aren't more um, pieces like this in theaters all over the country. All of the quote-unquote conventional wisdom would say that uh, all of the things that have been happening this summer uh, could never happen. Like Wonder Woman becoming one of the highest grossing superhero films of all time, being a higher grossing superhero film than all the other DC films. Um, Girls Trip uh, being a massive, massive box office success. All the things about you can't write stories um, starring women, you can't write stories starring women of color. Um, and I think in that same kind of thought process is you can't have stories that explicitly star uh, queer people. And I think that stories like this should be out there because every time that one of these are put into the market, they, I mean, subvert everyone's they exceed everyone's expectations but it's one of those things that it, it the expectation is is wrong like the the people claiming wisdom in those situations are actually very out of touch with what people want to see and will pay to see and um what would be helpful so i yeah i'm excited by all the trends that have been happening lately well what makes this story exceptional is not just that it is a queer story, but it's a story about like young queer adolescent love. And that is something that, you know, we don't get a lot of queer storytelling, but we especially don't get a lot of queer storytelling about people under the age of 18. Um, Absolutely. And that I, you know, I was just thinking to myself today imagining what my life would be like and how different my life and my thoughts about myself and my thoughts about the world would have been just if the one thing had been different that if queer storytelling had been as prevalent as heteronormative storytelling if i spent my entire life you know watching rom-coms of all different types of couples um just it it would have changed so much in my world and I can only hope that we can get to a point where we can provide that for like a future generation. Yeah. If everyone can see on the screen that they're okay and that there are other people like them, the world's only going to get better. All right. Um, so my next bit couldn't be farther from that. Uh, I wanted to talk about a horror movie because I felt like people who listen to this podcast will never hear a horror movie recommended <laughs> ever. Because it's you guys and me. so yeah, um, It's all on you to bring it up and you're feeling it, Slasa. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so it's horror movies for me are like roller coasters. I completely hated them. I thought they were the worst thing in the world. And then I turned like, I don't know. I don't know what age it was. Maybe it was like 15 and somebody was like, do you want to go ride this roller coaster with me? And I was like, yeah, actually, that sounds really fun. And like, do you want to go to a horror movie with me? Like, oh, yeah, that would be great. Um I'm still not into, like, Saw or the, like, you know, uh, torture porn things. Like, those have never appealed to me. I can't get into those at all. Um, but a good 
horror movie, a good thriller is just as much fun to me as a good roller coaster ride at this point. Um, I'm very excited to see the new Stephen King It movie, um, and there's always a handful of, I love The Babadook, um, there's some good handful of horror movies that come out every so often um, that really, really are engaging, and a lot of times do more than just scare you, but also um, talk about insights into the human condition that are really profound. Um, and yeah, I just think they're super fun to watch with a group of friends and be spooked, but be uh, safe the whole time. <laughs> so um, the movie I want to recommend um, that I have been feeling but never had occasion to talk about is The Descent. Um, this movie came out in the early 2000s. Uh, it is old. Um, but it does not feel dated. Um, it's an Australian film, and it's about a group of friends, a group of all women friends, who uh, decide to... They always go on a big trip every year together, and so this particular year where the movie takes place, they decide to go uh, spelunking, uh, cave exploring. And so the movie has... One of the reasons I love this movie and think it's probably one of the scariest movies I've ever seen and would really recommend to anybody who's a horror film fan is it didn't get huge play whenever it first came out. It wasn't like lauded, but I happened to see it um, with a group of friends and this movie has uh, the kind of like real life terror that comes with uh, relationship stuff and just like the complications of relationships. It plays on uh, claustrophobia it plays on, like, hallucination stuff. It plays on a lot of, like, very grounded, real, scary territory. Um, but then it also uh, amps up and goes into places that you don't expect and takes you to um, scares that you don't see coming. And I don't want to spoil those. Um, if somebody is interested in seeing the movie, um, being able to watch that would be half the fun. So uh, I recommend going and seeing The Descent if you have gone this long without it being spoiled because it really didn't, um, it kind of predated uh, Twitter spoiler culture stuff. If you got this far and you love horror movies, I would say really check this out. Don't rent it on DVD because it's one of those movies where the DVD menu will like give away something. Um, just rent it uh, on, on demand or Apple iTunes or whatever without hearing anything more about it and know that this movie delivers scares throughout the whole thing and says some really profound things about uh, about friendship and depression and um, about uh, what it is to be pushed to your limit in every way. So it's super fun. It's super fun to watch with a group of friends. Um, I watched it with a group of friends that had not seen it about a month ago, and we all had a blast. So if you are not Lucas and not Sandra... I highly recommend uh, this movie. I will say. Well, I can't recommend the movie, but I can recommend the director. This is directed by Neil Marshall, who did two of the greatest battle episodes of Game of Thrones, um, as well as an amazing episode of Westworld. And he, is, and he will be directing the upcoming Hellboy movie. Yeah, it's very well directed. Like, this movie is yeah. so... It's really, really good. And, like, it's really low budget. Um, the cameras, like... You can see lots of grain in it. Like, it just, you can tell they had, like, no money to make it, and it delivers scares the whole time in a really engaging way. Sweet. Oh, I was just going to say that I think Lucas and I, and I'll, I'll speak more for myself, um, are slowly but surely dipping our toes into the horror movie genre. We both loved Get Out this year, and I'm considering watching It Follows. I haven't done it yet, but it's something that I've, started to think about yeah so. there have been movies like it follows the babadook um the witch that like have gotten really really great reviews and that people say are really amazing and that just from the trailers look look so interesting and the story behind it intrigues me but i don't yeah. know i don't know if i can do it I no, the key <laughs> is to watch it either at night with a whole bunch of friends or if you're by yourself in the middle of the afternoon so that you're not going to yeah, be freaked that, out. Yeah, I can't do that one. That won't no, help I can't do that one. because when night comes around, I will yeah. die. <laughs> Here's my biggest thing is that I always dream about whatever movies and television I watch. Yep. Um, yep. Uh... So I've got to like watch it and then watch like an episode of something else right after 
or sometimes that doesn't even help. So I just got to be very careful. Um, I did also go see The Beguiled this summer thinking that it might be kind of like a horror movie and it turned out not to be. So, but I was willing. <laughs> the trailer made it look a little it like really it might be. So, <laughs> PSA for everyone who wanted to go see The Beguiled. It's good, but nothing like not. the trailer. <laughs> not a horror movie. See, tra- trailers are my kryptonite because if I see a trailer for a horror movie that scares the crap out of me, I have to watch that movie because otherwise my imagination fills in all the gaps. But if I watch the movie, mm. I'll be like, oh, that's where the scary stuff started. That's where it ended. Only these people died and all of it was fake. Lawson. The end. And then my imagination is satisfied and I'm able to move on. Lawson, did you ever end up seeing, there was a, a trailer that Lawson and I were so into that I probably will never see because it seems too scary. But did you ever end up watching the movie Unfriended? No, but I saw that it's on, it's on HBO Go. Okay. And so all I need to do is find a time, because there's no way in hell Lindsay will watch that with me, is find a time to watch that solo during the day, Lucas, and I will report back. Yes, I did. Yeah, Not going like, to watch it, though. No, me either. But it does look like a genius concept. Yeah, as soon as I saw the trailer, I wanted to watch it. So I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Okay. Well, and that is all the horror you will hear from us for the next three years. <laughs> you don't know. I may uh, Lucas, be feeling it I feel when it like comes you're out. Gonna, but you might be taking that back in a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, that is not true. That is okay, not true. You'll see. You, yeah, you'll, okay. you'll see. You'll see. All right. Well, you're back up, Lucas. What's your next thing on the list? All right. Next thing on my list is a person. I don't know if you can be feeling a person, um, yeah. but <laughs> I feel, I mean, I'm feel doing it physically. All the time. um this week i am feeling a a guy called c his name is cgp gray no idea what that actually stands for but he is an educational youtuber um this guy is awesome his youtube videos are fantastic what he does is he takes concepts or ideas that um are either complicated or that you might not know a lot about and he just really dissects them in a very quick amount of time um there's one video that he made um that i linked to i don't know if you guys saw it i did yeah um about the secession of texas like whether that's possible and what that would take and stuff like that not that he's like for it or against it he just kind of goes in from a very academic viewpoint of this is what that would actually look like if texas wanted to secede he has one about um how to become the Pope, like what that takes and that kind of thing. Um, he is, it's really, really interesting stuff. I would definitely check out his YouTube videos. He also has a podcast called hello internet, which is just a kind of general knowledge stuff, which is, which is really fun to listen to. Um, have you guys watched his videos, listened to hello internet before anything like that? Any connection with CGP Gray? Texas possibly succeeding from succeeding from the union. Um, yes. Oh, what's the verdict? Can can it secede? Well, technically no. Um, but it does have the legal <laughs> authority to separate itself into five new states if it ever wants to. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. I had no idea. Very interesting stuff. So I'll link to that video in the show notes as well as just his entire YouTube channel. So check him out. Thanks, Lucas. That's awesome. We can all learn a lot more. Um, speaking of learning a lot more, Sandra. What is your next pick? Okay, well, one major hobby of mine that I never talk about here because it's not pop culture related is I'm very into makeup and skincare and the beauty industry. Um, I spend too much money on it. I spend a lot of time reading reviews and reading recommendations and tutorials and all those sorts of things. Um, What I've gotten into a lot the last few weeks are two different beauty podcasts. Um, I never thought I would be into a beauty podcast because makeup culture is such a visual culture. You know, there's a lot of beauty mm-hmm. YouTube channels that teach you how to do things or they do reviews of products where you can see what the eyeshadow colors look like or how the foundation blends into skin or all these different things. So the podcast medium seems a little strange for beauty as a topic. Um, however, I have found two podcasts that are so fun to listen to because they have incredible hosts. Um, y'all, I'm assuming don't ever watch any beauty YouTube videos. Um, but not really, but a common 
thread in most of them for me is that a lot of beauty vloggers tend to be very annoying. Um, they talk too long. They talk about themselves a lot before they get to the product. Um, some of them are just have annoying personalities. So like, I want to get the information, but I hate having to deal with the beauty vloggers. Um, <laughs> what makes these podcasts so fun is that they're hosted by women that are very into the beauty industry, but they're that they don't do this for a living. Their actual careers are in comedy. So having these comedians talk about makeup in a fun way is really like the key to get me on board with something. Um, the first podcast I want to bring up is called Glowing Up, and it's hosted by Esther Pavitsky, who is commonly known as Lil Esther in like the comedy world. Um, and it's also hosted by Caroline Goldfarb, who used to host a podcast I once recommended on here called This Week Had Me Like. That was the one, y'all, that she had oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. the, the section called um, Spotlight But For This. Uh, yeah. So she is incredibly funny, and the two of them um, are, are friends, comedians, that also have an obsession with makeup. And so their podcast is really fun to listen to. Uh, because it's just hearing two friends chat and talk about a subject that I'm very interested in. Um, the second one that I want to recommend is called Natch Butte, and that's spelled N-A-T-C-H and then B-E-A-U-T. And it's hosted by comedian Jackie Johnson, another woman who's just obsessed with makeup and skincare, um, but is incredibly funny. Um, I want to play a clip from the first episode where she's talking about her frustration with being a vegan that cares about like animal rights and wants to like support ethical companies, but also being very interested in makeup and you know how frustrating that can be to marry those two interests. But guess what? Dove is not cruelty free dude what's going on i'm telling you any main almost every company that's like mainstream isn't I'm, and like burt's bees okay so like burt's bees is vegan and cruelty didn't free didn't they just get bought out by clorox <gasps> clorox bleach the most toxic shit on the planet owns burt's fucking bees <laughs> Clorox would kill bees. <laughs> if you put Clorox in the beehive, all the damn Burt's bees would fall over dead. Fuck you, Burt's bees. You're a sellout. You know what I mean? I'm doomed. Where can I get a fucking face wipe that didn't kill a little bunny? You know what I mean? Is there one that exists? Can I wipe my face with something that doesn't have a fucking beetle shit on it? A, be a crushed beetle? I mean, what the fuck? Somebody help me here. Somebody help me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So I listened to that first episode while shopping in a Goodwill causing everyone around me to think I was a crazy person because I was dying <laughs> laughing. Um, Jackie Johnson is so funny. And so I'm listening to her podcast because I'm interested in makeup and skincare, but I'm also listening because I laugh out loud throughout the entire episode. Um, so I, if you have a vague interest in this industry or you're sick of beauty bloggers with bad or no personality, I'm going to recommend both of those podcasts. Um, another great bonus is that they both have really vibrant Facebook communities built around each of them. So I'm a part of those and I get great recommendations for stuff as being a part of those Facebook communities all the time. Um, so I know that's something that neither of you are probably super interested in, uh, but anyone else who might be, I wanted to share it. There you go. That's great. I'm sure somebody will be interested. And in anytime I have needed makeup, Sandra, you have always been there for me. So I always will be. Bingo. Well, Lawson, what's your third pick? Well, it's uh, also a pick about uh, great online communities being built up around people. Um, it's The Toast. Are you guys familiar with The Toast? Yes. Okay. So I'm very late with this because The Toast... Is no longer live. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was curious about why you were feeling it now. <laughs> well, I'll explain. So the toast is the source of, it's the-toast.net. Um, and anybody who hasn't heard of it, who happens to be 
um, I don't know, a, a librarian in, living in New England. I'm so sorry that you're just finding out about this now because this was made for you. Um, but it was also made for so many other people who kind of have this very niche sense of humor, um, sensibility, and um, kind of uh, literary knowledge. And it is something that um, just is was so life-giving uh, to my wife, Lindsay, um, and it was also, as such, has been the source of some of the hardest times we have ever laughed together, has been her finding one of these articles and just, like, us sitting on the couch and her reading it off and, like barely getting through it, um, just like brought to tears by how, how funny it is. So um, it famously went away um, at the tail end of 2016, right before the election, and Hillary Clinton like wrote a farewell piece for them, and it was very moving, and uh, the community was really moved by that. Um, one of the, the two kind of central figures, there's lots of people called Toasties who uh, write for it, um, and they're all incredibly talented and all kind of have a very similar sensibility, but the two main people are Nicole Cliff and Mallory Ortberg. Um, Nicole Cliff has, uh, Nicole Cliff and Mallory Ortberg were both very active on Twitter in addition to being the main, uh, writers for the site. Um, and after the election, both of them went dark on Twitter. And so it was really hard because they were such great, voices and um, kind of unifiers for these huge communities of people that were um, a really big support system for each other. And so whenever so much stuff online was like really dark and difficult, people were like, we need you now more than ever. Um, so the reason I'm feeling it now is because I found him. I found Nicole and Mallory and I'm very excited. Yay. Um, so if anybody else out there is a huge fan of the toast and uh, is trying to get your fix, I have great news. Um, a, Nicole Cliff is back on Twitter at Nicole underscore Cliff, N-I-C-O-L-E underscore C-L-I-F-F-E, and she's posting things about her enormous wolf dog Sansa, and she's posting things about her really cute kids, and she's posting things, uh, she's actually doing Game of Thrones recaps now, which are amazing, um, and, uh, she's just back on Twitter, stronger than ever, just as active as she was, um, and really, really funny, and it's been awesome. Uh, Lindsay was messaging me basically every tweet she posted every day, and so I finally just followed her, and so now I get that as part of my feed as well, and there's always so much hard stuff on a Twitter feed, and having Nicole as part of it really, really lightens it up. Um, she's a great person, not a, a person to, you know, ignore any of the realities of, uh, of the world, but also just has such great and hilarious interest. She's really into relationship reddits, and so she'll often post like a, a Reddit link to people like asking for relationship advice and giving her take on it, and it's always hilarious. Um, the second place to find people um, is to find Malia Ortberg. She's always had a, um, or has for a long time now, had um, a column on Slate called Dear Prudence. Um, which is basically your, you know, typical call-in line like you would see on the movie Sleepless in Seattle, like, I've got this situation, what do I do? Um, and she is amazing. Um, she's so funny and so insightful and so empathetic with these people and so self-actualized. She's, she's our age. Um, she's uh, just, like, lived in the Bay Area her whole life. She's a gay woman who recently cut off all of her hair and looks like a adolescent boy and like is always posting on Instagram about it. She's like, give me a haircut that I would hate on any boy, but for some reason think would look great on me. She's like very, very self um, loving, but also not afraid to give herself a hard time. Um, she's really, really great. Um, and all of her relationship advice is incredible. She gets letters from people who are um, pansexual, uh, polyamorous, um, people who are very, um, you know, conservative uh, in uh, monogamous heterosexual relationships. She gets letters from everybody in between, and sometimes she gets le uh, letters from straight-up fuckboys who think that they're in the right, and she sets them straight. <laughs> it is always just whatever it is. It's always really entertaining. Um, her article, er, her column is amazing, but I've been super, super excited by... Um, 
the discovery that she has a podcast and it is called slate presents the dear prudence podcast and it is at prudy pod on twitter it's really really good she's really funny and i highly recommend if anybody has endured my entire tirade about or not tirade but like talking so long about this and just thinking none of this matters for me i don't even know where to start with all the crap that you're throwing out there start with the dear prudence podcast it is great she is great it's super entertaining and she gives th- such thoughtful, excellent advice while keeping you engaged the whole time. So um, the toast, the, all the, the lifeblood of the toast, it lives again, even though the toast site itself uh, is no longer with us. So I'm feeling the toast in all of its online iterations. And somehow we're counting that as one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and my eighth pick for the evening. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Lucas, what is your next yes. pick? Well, as Sandra said, I just talked about how we're never talking about horror again, which is true, but I have caveats. <laughs> anyway, my fourth pick <laughs> my fourth pick is the new HBO show Room 104. So this is an anthology passion project by the Duplass brothers with a really unique concept. Have you guys seen this, heard of it, anything? Yeah, I def- I'm I hearing th- of it now. I saw the very cool trailer for it. I haven't. I actually haven't seen the trailer for it. I just jumped in and watched the first two episodes. Um, but basically, the concept for the show is they decided we're going to take one location, just a hotel room, not a great hotel room, not a crappy hotel room, just a normal, boring. you know, hotel room. Yeah, just normal, boring hotel room, and we're going to create stories within this. So each episode is its own thing. It's thirty minutes. Um, I love this idea. Yeah. It's really great. And basically, they got a writer's room together and just, just said, hey, let's start to see if we can crank out some stories um, that just take place in this hotel room. And then they take these stories and give them to kind of brand new directors. Some of them are just out of school. Um, some of them just haven't really done much before and say, hey, tell this story. And so you, hopefully, we'll see, you get a lot of really unique looks at stories that can be told in this hotel room. So I am in love with this concept. Um, I will say the first two episodes I did not like. The first one is very scary. I don't know, but I don't know if it's very scary. I'm not one to judge that. <laughs> Somebody else tell me if it's very scary. <laughs> I thought the first episode was scary, and I just didn't like the second episode at all. But the concept as a whole is the concept as a whole is great, and I'm really hoping that the future of this show is bright. Yeah. Yeah, I love that concept too. I never even heard of this. This is great. Yeah. It's a really cool idea of the Duplasses and um, like you, Lucas, I'm going to probably try to overcome my fear of horror genre to give this show a try. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. Y'all I'm in great shape to watch this. So (laughs) (laughs) after this first episode, I've just, or after watching the first two episodes, I've decided I'm just going to wait and see what other people say about the episodes and then just watch the ones that I'm going to like. Black mirror approach. The Black Mirror approach, except I watch all of Black Mirror. That's Well, that's the other thing. Black Mirror has, like, a theme that it all centers around. So it's a bunch of different contexts, but the, the theme of, like, the future of technology. Whereas this is just a place, so it could be any theme, any genre, who knows yeah. what. So we'll I, see. I'm hoping that they play a lot with genre and that they make some, like, love stories and some horror stories and some family dramas and some, you know, and that they don't stick with the similar tone. Because I th- I think totally. that would be really, really fun to, like, go all over the place. Totally agree. I will, Lucas, I will watch all of them and then let you know which ones are scary and which ones aren't. There you go. That's why you're on the show. I am the canary in the coal mine for scary movies. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, thank you so much for, I had no idea, and I'm stoked to watch those now. Um, Sandra, what is your next pick? Okay. One of the reasons I was really excited about us doing this episode is because there's so many times when you come across something and you it really brings you a lot of joy and you love it, but like it's not going to be my pick for the week because I have so many great TV shows and movies that I want to talk about that are important and current. And so sometimes little things that are still very lovely fall to the wayside. Um, So I feel like this episode was the perfect opportunity for me to tell everyone about a very little thing that brings me small amounts of joy throughout my day. Um, I, as a social media manager and just general 
um, social media addicted person, am pretty much constantly on Twitter. Um, I live there throughout the entire day. I've recently started following a Twitter account that is so simple, but yet every time I see a tweet from it, it makes my heart just flutter a little bit. This Twitter account is called Tiny Starfields. Its username is at tiny underscore star underscore field. And all it is is little tweets that happen one every few hours or so. And it's just a collection of asterisks and star symbols and various punctuation marks that make it look like a scattering of stars created via a keyboard. And it's nothing more than that. But when I'm on Twitter and there's bad news about politics or drama happening between celebrities or reviews about movies, and all of a sudden I see a little tiny two-inch scape of punctuation stars, it just makes me smile and I love looking at it. So I wanted to bestow that upon all of you. Normally, this is the kind of thing that I would trash on, but I really like your explanation of it. That is very, well, very nice. You, <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful, Sandra. I really strongly <laughs> recommend people following it. It's it's crazy how something so simple can bring just like the tiniest perfect amount of, of joy. That's great. Lucas, I'm so proud of you for respecting that because it was really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sandra. You're welcome. Um, so... My next pick, uh, much shorter, but something I have loved for a while and forgot to talk about, uh, the Google Photo Scan app. Are you guys, do y'all have this on your phones? Are you aware no. of it? I am aware of it. I, I have it downloaded. I have not used it yet because I don't actually have any physical photos to use it on. Okay. Well, I feel like often in my feed, I'll be scrolling through Instagram and I'll see people who just like went back to their parents for the weekend and they have this photo where there's a huge glare and a reflection of their phone, and it's like a photo that they took on their iPhone of a framed picture of their parents or of them as a kid or something like that. And it's like Throwback Thursday, and it's very sweet, and I love being able to see that photo, but the, you know, the quality. art director, designer in me, yeah, the quality of it's really bad. So um, apparently enough people at Google had that same thought. This app is great. It's super easy. It's super straightforward. Um Basically, you put your phone right in front of the picture, and then it has you move the your phone around to like five different spots around the picture um, so that it can merge all those together, get rid of all the glare, all the reflections, all of everything, and lay it out perfectly straight. You can even go in afterwards and like grab the corners to make sure the corners are exactly right if you didn't have a straight-on angle. Whatever. It does all that for you, and it makes... A picture you've taken with your phone of a photo look like fantastic quality and really high resolution. So I love it. I highly recommend it. It's perfect for a trip back home to your parents' house, um, but it's also great if you just happen to have a couple of physical photos around and no scanner. So Google Photo Scan app. It's free. Get it today. Nice. Um. Well, we're down to my final picks. Yeah. Or the final picks. We're down to the final picks. And my final pick is the band Manchester Orchestra. Yes. Who is amazing. And they're one of those bands that I have loved for a long time. And I haven't gotten, I guess, hurt by one of their albums. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of bands, they'll come up with an album and be like, ah, I really want to like this, but I just am not connecting with this at all. But I feel like every single one of Manchester Orchestra's albums have connected with me in some way. And I've really loved it. I totally agree. And, and their music, like, it doesn't, it's not like they become a new band in every album, but no. their sounds, it like never feels tired or rote or anything. It yes. always feels fresh. I love them. Yes, they're, they're constantly evolving. And part of that is to changing out band, band members. Um, but also it's them getting older and their, their lyrics and the way they're writing, um, which is really, really great. Um, but I do want to play a clip from the song, The Gold, from their new album that came out this week. A Black Mile to the Surface.
This is a band I can listen to every song on every album, and I can just run through their whole discography like in a day. Um, but I highly encourage you to check out their newest album, A Black Mile to the Surface. It's really great. Yeah, I love that song. And their music videos are always fun. So like, fun. Yeah, just, yeah. They're great. They're great. I second that pick. Sandra, <laughs> what is your final pick for the episode? Well, uh, my final pick is a movie that's coming out this weekend. I got to see a preview screening of The Glass Castle. It's a movie based on the memoir by um, author Jeanette Walls. It's a, a, a true-to-life memoir. And this movie is directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. If you remember, he directed the movie Short Term 12. Um, that's, yep. a, oh, yeah. that's a movie that I consider to be one of the best movies of the past decade. I, I think it's an incredible mm, film. Totally. Um, I've been really mm -hmm. excited to see what his next project is. And um, it's this movie, The Glass Castle. It stars Brie Lawson. It's... Um, about a woman who grew up with very difficult parents and her reconciling with them as an adult or, or, rec or um, I should say reconciling with like her opinion of them now that she's an adult. I, I didn't know, I had high expectations for it solely because of the director. I didn't know much about it going in. I had seen one brief trailer. Um, I was entirely swept away by this film. It brought in me so many hard and emotional truths that I needed to deal with as a person. Um, it's a painful, painful story that has surprising, a surprising amount of beautiful beauty and hope in it. It's a story about having parents that even though they love you, cause you so much hurt and pain. And that is like a really, a, a story that like we don't get to see very often. We, we get to see a lot of parents that like are awful and we rise above them. Um, or sometimes we'll see parents that don't mean to hurt us, but they do. But, you know, they're in very like minor ways that we can, we grow and we work on and, you know, people come together. This is like a true story that is very harrowing, I would say. And... I was blown away by it. Um, I really hope that a lot of people see this movie and love it and react strongly to it. I will say one interesting thing about coming out of this theater and being so affected by this film was that I knew right away I, that because this movie was being released now in August, that it probably isn't going to be considered for a lot of like Academy Awards because if the studio right. thought it was a contender for those awards, it would be releasing it later in the year. And that made me immediately wonder why does the studio not believe in this film? What is the critical reception to this film going to be? I've Googled some since and it's kind of mixed. Um, mm -hmm. And it made me question my taste. It made me question. But <laughs> like I said, I was blown away. And if it were up to me, this film would have a Best Picture nomination, um, several supporting actor nominations. It, it, I thought it was majestic and amazing. Um, there was a few moments that I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of a cliched thing. Um, but... As an overall effect, I, I I sobbed throughout the entire ending. I it really really did me in. Um, I strongly recommend it. I am so glad that you liked this movie. This this I've, from our uh, beginning of the year video. This was my most anticipated movie of 2017, yeah. and I am so pumped that you liked it. I know it has gotten yeah. mixed reviews, and so I've been super nervous about it. But I haven't heard from anybody who's seen it yet, so I'm. I'm really pumped, and I think I truly think just based on the director, based on the cast, based on the um, the subject matter, I think this could end up in my yeah. top ten uh, for this me. year. So yeah, I can't wait to see it, and I could see I don't know I you talking about this being such a it resonated with you on such a personal level, and the themes that it's dealing with, especially being handled by a director like this and with this cast, like you said, Lucas, 
I, I think I'm going to love it. And I'm, I am excited that you liked it for the reasons you liked it, because I think that means that I'll really love yeah. it too. Um, yep. And, you know, maybe some of the critics out there had a different upbringing. It just like didn't hit on for whatever reason. But um, yeah, I, I could not be more excited to see this. I'm ready for a good cry, but also for movies that are <laughs> meaningful. So this is. Yeah, so yep. it, it has a lot in common with. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Cap- with, oh, I was, okay, I was gonna say, I, was gonna say, I want to say Captain Fantastic, right. but I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot in common with Captain Fantastic, um, but I think it's much a much harsher movie than Captain Fantastic was. Definitely mm, not yeah. as feel good. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome, but that's awesome. still right up my alley. But still beautiful. <laughs> like just because I'm saying it's not yeah. feel good doesn't mean that it doesn't have like beautiful, loving, hopeful moments. Um, it's just a lot harsher. Nice. Well, thanks so much, Sandra. Um, my final pick uh, for this episode is Fleet Fox's latest album, Crack Up. Um, this is their first album in many years. I They had broken up. I did not think they were ever going to get back together. Um, folk music kind of had its heyday around 2009, 2010, um, when it was everywhere and just the music coming out of that uh, genre was really, really incredible. And so many of the records coming out of that time are still records I listen to to this day. Uh, but there hasn't been a lot of it coming out. Boney Bear has really moved into this electronic space, which is uh, beautiful. And I, I love it, but it is it is very different from um, from the music of, of the late aughts. So uh, one thing I, w- I was really, I didn't know how to feel about Fleet Foxes coming out with another album i was initially excited but also i didn't know um how i was gonna land with it and i have to say it's one that grows on you so the first time i listened to it i was like ah this really doesn't this is fine but fleet foxes is such a mellow band that there wasn't anything that really jumped out at me um but after listening to the whole album a couple times through this is such an album of growth for them um, there's so many new things that they're doing melodically. Um, they've aged a lot and the kind of things they're singing about are so different. The, um, kind of illusions that they're using, um, are really tasteful and, um, and evocative of things that are a lot more, I mean, you know, talking about Greek mythology, but in ways that, uh, make you remember your parents. Uh, it's just like, it's, it's very very good album that uh i want to put out there for anyone who has who listened to it once it came out right before a lot of other music did and i feel like it's one of those albums that would be very easy to just get like you know brushed out with a low tide um you listen to it once you're like i was fine and then not listen to it again if you did that once if you're like no i just like their old stuff i would say really get pick this back up off the shelf or um off of your spotify queue or whatever it is and uh, give it another listen because this repeated listens really pay dividends on this album. Um, it's great. It's great to relax to. It's great to work to. It's amazing for an evening drive in the summer. Um, I highly recommend uh, checking it out. I'm going to play a quick uh, track. I'm going to play a quick section from one of my favorite tracks on the album uh, called Fool's Errand. fun facts about this album is that uh the vocoder they used on to record this album had a fleet foxes preset in it because their sound had gotten so identifiable and so rather than do it the way they did on previous albums they're like oh we'll just use our preset that exists now because it's been like five (laughs) years um but yeah they do that they use the preset for their old sound but then they do a lot of things to really grow and flesh out their old sound it's way more rich than anything they've ever done before so yeah, crack up. It's good stuff. It's funny um, to hear Lawson about their like preset because 
I've never been like a particular Fleet Foxes fan, although I have lots of friends that are. Um, but I remember once in college finding a SoundCloud account that was like Fleet Foxes covers of like all these pop songs. And I thought, I'm thinking like, oh, these sound beautiful and sharing them with friends. I mean, like, I can't believe the Fleet Foxes covered all of these pop songs. And then figuring out <laughs> the Fleet Foxes did not record these, that it was someone <clears throat> doing pop songs in the style of Fleet Foxes. But it was so convincing that we all thought <laughs> that it was the actual Fleet Foxes that had recorded all of these. Okay, A of all, that is amazing. And <laughs> B, if that account still exists, I really want to hear those. I think the SoundCloud is called Fleet Foxes Sing. Fleet Foxes Sing. Okay, I will check yeah. it out. And, and, and the yeah. summary says, contrary to popular belief and what your ears may tell you, the songs posted on this blog were not recorded by Fleet Foxes, but rather one dude who impersonates Fleet Foxes using overdubbing and lots of rever reverb. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the, the song that always love artists who refer to themselves as one dude. <laughs> yeah. The, the song <laughs> yeah. that really like got me was um, like an Elvis song, like a big Elvis song. I'm scrolling through trying to find it. Uh, Can't help falling in love. Um, I heard oh, that. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. And that was a song that it's like, I could see the, I could see Fleet Foxes covering this song. Like that makes sense to me. Um, but then to find a yeah. whole SoundCloud, I was like, I found this treasure trove. <laughs> and, <laughs> you really yeah. did. I feel like you're kind yeah. of selling yourself short on that, but no, you did. <laughs> yeah. So enjoy. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, there are going to be so many links in the show notes on this. So feel free to go through and check those out. Um, lots of music and movies and everything in between. Uh, also, if you have a sec, if you thought... All this stuff is great. Thank you so much. You know what you could do? You could go on iTunes and leave us a review because that's just you like could. a really nice thing that means a lot to us. Um, It'd be appreciated. Yeah, we'd appreciate it. But don't feel like you have to. We'd also just love to hear from you. Feel free to tweet at us at feelingitpod uh, or send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Um, or you can talk to us individually. Uh, Y'all want to let us know we can find you online? Yes, you can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff, probably watching or tweeting about CGP Grey's videos. And you can find me at Lawson West on all social media um, as well. So thank you all so much for listening. Hope you found something within those 15 that really changes your week. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye, Nick. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.